I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honored to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, and welcome to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Trench Leadership is a proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation for their leadership in advancing the study, treatment, and prevention of brain trauma for athletes, veterans, and other at-risk groups. Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, is a show for emerging leaders of all professions that offers advice, inspiration, and practical tools from a diverse breadth of leaders who have made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. Here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Let me ask you, how often have you heard that your DNA tells your story? In this Leadership Assessment Tool mini-series, we'll talk about how your genetic code can complement your favorite strength-based leadership assessment tools. From an emerging leadership perspective, knowing your DNA provides an insight into how and why we might perceive, process, and execute challenges and opportunities. And so in this episode, you'll hear from Annie Bush, a certified brain health coach and holistic longevity strategist, who will offer some insights into how our genetic makeup can help us be the strongest leaders we want to be. After spending 10 years as a federal and state prosecutor, Annie Bush changed her focus to health and wellness education and connecting the physical body with the spiritual mind. Over the last decade, her mantra has been, it's hard to have a clear thought with a toxic body. As a nationally recognized certified brain health coach under both Daniel Dr. Amen and Dr. Dale Bredesen, she helps clear the physical brain of cognitive conditions such as ADD, ADHD, anxiety, depression, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and dementia, and customizes holistic protocols addressing these conditions. Using 3X4 Genetics, she utilizes your own DNA as your health blueprint to drive your lifestyle choices regarding exercise, nutrition, and sleep for your optimal health. She uses photobiomodulation to stimulate the production of your own stem cells, including brain cells, using the LifeWave stem cell activation patches. And now, as always, no one wants to hear from me. They want to hear from the guests. So I'm just going to try and be quiet and introduce Annie. Hey, Annie, how's it going today? Well, don't leave us, Simon. Hey, this is Annie Bush. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast and to address your listeners on how DNA can affect your ability to be a great leader. I am super excited to talk about this and and just hear how all these things are interconnected. I think the timing of us meeting and actually doing these conversations are It's one of the great things I love about the podcast world in that I happen to be doing this strength-based assessment tool uh, mini-series, and then you and I came across each other. It's amazing how these things work themselves out. So I'm super excited. And honestly, I'd just like to get right into it. So with your permission, I'd like just like to ask you the question, what is your DNA roadmap? Want to tell us about that a bit? Well, your DNA roadmap, and actually it really blends really well with on my training as a certified brain health coach too, because with leadership, whether we're talking about yourself as the leader or your employees, we're looking for characteristics like procrastination and getting things done, being organized or disorganized, problems with follow through, being too impulsive. Well, all of those things, those character traits as you know, as a supervisor or a CEO, 
would drive you crazy for your employees once you realize that those characteristics are the underlying symptoms of having ADD and ADHD, then we can look at some behaviors through a whole different lens. And that is through the lens of brain health. Now, how this is tied to your DNA is everyone was born with their divinely designed blueprint of how their body works. What foods your body was designed to eat or not eat? What exercises your body was designed to do or not do? How much time you need to recover from either like a stressful situation or a really hard workout. So your DNA basically is your blueprint as to how your body reacts to your world or your environment and the toxins that you're exposed to every day. But your DNA also tells you how you process things called neurotransmitters which are things like dopamine and serotonin and GABA. And that's where our little connection with ADD and ADHD comes into play today because dopamine plays a really, really, really important role with your ability to, yes, focus. Yeah, and uh, as as we were talking about when we did our pre-chat, focus is one of those things that I don't have an issue with. If anything, I over-focus on things, which I'm sure is something we'll talk about a little bit more down the road. Yes, yes, because um, for your listeners, there are seven different forms of attention deficit disorder. And ADHD just happens to be one of those forms because it has the hyperactive component to it. But one of those, and if I could just dive into these different forms, if that's okay with you. Yeah, please do. Okay, so the seven different forms of ADD. uh, The first one is probably, well, let me do a little brain health 101. If everybody put their hand on their forehead, that part of your brain is called the prefrontal cortex. That is the part of the brain which helps you focus. That's where your working memory is. And when you have ADD, well, if you don't have ADD, when you concentrate, the blood flow should go to that part of the brain. When you have ADD, it flows from that part of the brain. And Dr. Daniel Amen has a term for it. He says your prefrontal cortex drops. And if you looked at one of his spec scans, and he has a number of these comparisons, when you have someone with ADD and they start to focus, instead of that part of the brain being nice and smooth and full, it actually starts sinking and it has what looks like moon craters in it. It's like these pockets. And that's when he says the prefrontal cortex drops. When that happens, other parts of the brain get overactive. And depending on what part of the brain gets overactive is what determines what type of ADD you have. All right, so ADHD, we're just gonna talk about that first. That is the one that has the hyperactive component to it. When you just can't sit still, And, you know, for all you CEOs and you bosses out there, the next time you have a staff meeting, watch your employees. Do you have that girl or gal that just has trouble listening when others are talking? They um, are hyperactive. They're fidgety. They can't sit still. They have difficulty waiting their turn to speak. 
and they just keep interrupting people and they're noisy. Those are, those are ADHD people. Now, Simon, um, the next one is the inattentive people. And we talked about this earlier. These are the most undiagnosed ADD folks because they get no attention because they're really quiet. These are the ones that seem like they're just daydreaming. So again, let's have that meeting scenario and you have that employee that looks like they're not paying attention. They're motivated, they're lazy. They seem like they're bored, they're apathetic, they're not motivated, they're sluggish and they just seem spacey. That is the inattentive type of ADD because it affects a different part of the brain than the ADHD folks that are hyperactive. So those are the two extremes. Now, I think Simon, you and I talked that you and I are both, well, maybe I shouldn't throw you under the bus with me, but for me, I am an over-focused ADD. Now you're thinking, well, what does that mean? We get a hold of something that we're really interested in and the whole rest of the world could fall apart. And we are just going to stay hooked on whatever it is that we're doing. Now, that's a really good trait for like you CEOs and you presidents. As long as you have other people that are really good that work for you, that will read your emails and respond to your emails and play your, pay your bills and get all of that other stuff done. So for us over-focused people, if it's boring, it's not happening. It's, you know, we are just solid into whatever gives us that most dopamine bump that we stay interested in. So that's, Go ahead, Simon. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I definitely have that over-focus uh, nod. I haven't received any type of uh, formal, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, You're not really going to get a diagnosis. Diagnosis. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah, That's but I definitely, word. that over-focus thing rings true with me for sure. For sure. Right. And the more people tell you, right. And the more people tell you, um, you need to go quit doing what you're working on and go over here and do that. The more we fight it. Right. Because we just want to keep doing what we're doing because that boring stuff will not get done. I determined that was my type. Actually, when I was going through the certification program with Dr. Dana Wayman, I was reading it and I said, oh, my gosh, this is me. And so the workarounds and with each one of these types, what you do is there are certain neurotransmitters that you supplement with. It may be dopamine, it may be serotonin, it may be GABA, it may be acetylcholine, um, it may be SAMe, or it may be a combination. There are different foods that help the different types. So once I determined that's who I was, I immediately implemented those nutritional and those food choice changes into what I was doing. Um, for an example, one is I need to have my protein in the beginning of the day. Breakfast and lunch are my big two big high protein meals, because that's what's going to support my brain health the most. And then very little or just light protein at dinner, because at night, then people like us, we need to switch that brain around so that it calms down. And so we need more serotonin. That's uh, that's interesting. I wonder if there's any correlation with that. And the fact that I really enjoy a good breakfast, that's my, my breakfast is my favorite meal quickly followed by lunch, actually, and then supper. Great. I, there's lots of things I love. I, I love cheeseburgers, but uh, you know, it's not the same thing as a, as a, as a good eggs and bacon type deal. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If your body is craving proteins in the middle of the day, in the beginning of the day, 
it's a sign that your brain kind of needs it. Hmm, yeah. That's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is quite helpful when, you know, in the, in the spirit of talking about emerging leaders and how this can help them is understanding your, your physical requirements based off of your genetic makeup and those things that can help people be, you know, maybe come into their day stronger, more clear focused, understanding how to be able to attack whatever the challenges may be for the day. That that's a big component to that. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, and this is where the genetics play into, um, what type of ADD you may or may not have because dopamine, again, is a key player. Your body may not be making enough dopamine. It may not have as many receptors in the brain as it needs. You can be making an enzyme that deteriorates the dopamine before you ever get to make it. I had a gentleman last week that he was actually making too much dopamine and he wasn't making enough serotonin and that was um, ending up that he was getting into an agitated state. He was too up. Now he didn't have ADD, but he just had too much dopamine in the system and his body wasn't able to break it down. So as an employee or as as a leader, knowing what's going on with you and then working with someone like me to do the workarounds to balance everything out. And that's our goal is to balance it out so you're more productive, so you're not the procrastinator, so you're, you know, so that you're more productive and that everybody gets along and is more creative together. But knowledge is power here, you know, as far as the foods that you eat, the supplements that you take. Oh, very much so. You know, and one of the things that, one of the themes that comes up all the time uh, in the different recordings that have happened is, is leaders, newer leaders tend to be overwhelmed with everything, especially if they're freshly coming out of a technical expertise and now they're expected to be the technical expert while simultaneously leading other technical people. That's a super challenge. And so if we can understand how our, how our bodies are made up, then it, it seems to me that it would be easier to understand how to be the most productive, how to get the most out of ourselves to be able to go forward and get the most out of the team. And it's kind of a big snowball rolling down the hill do you have any thoughts on that at all yeah because if you you are in the process of gathering all these assessment tools for leaders if you gave this type of an assessment to your employees you would know what their strengths were and what they weren't right so if you have an overfocused add you could give them the projects which they would just work at by themselves It's like single focused. This is what your project is. Go forth and do it. Right. There was a multidimensional that didn't involve a lot of moving parts that didn't involve a lot of people. You know, so you could then tailor um, your projects to those folks that had the highest, you know, whatever their strengths were. You know, and then work with them to start getting everybody balanced out. But recognizing them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Put everybody in a staff meeting and see how everybody reacts. And you could just literally probably have a checkbox. Okay, this, this one's this one, this one's this one, this one, this one. Right. And, and then because, and you and I talked about this yesterday, it, it's not character flaws. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's just the way your brain was built. And, and that's a huge point. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It, it's just, it's just the way you're, you're made. Like uh, and, and another example, uh, the example I like to use when, when I've spoken about these things in the past is uh, I'm a chatty guy. 
I just am. And I, I really admire people that are not as chatty that I can see they're chewing that information and they're quietly, you know, bringing it inside. And then when they speak, everyone stops because oh, that person has spoken. When I speak, it's a shotgun blast of information. And, and in there interspersed in the shotgun is, uh, is what I'm trying to get at. So I, I admire that skill that, for, that other people have. And it's just who they are. It's just the way they present and the way they, they relay that information. It's just not how I do it. Look at me. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I admire that. But I, what I, it took me a while to realize was just because I'm not that type of person doesn't mean that how I relay information is wrong. It just means it's, it's how I am. I've learned how to better focus myself. I've taught myself the tricks and tips to do that. But it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It just means that that's how I am. Does that make sense? Is that an accurate no. type of uh, example? Right. Right. And, you know, another layer, we didn't even talk about this, but since you, you mentioned it, uh, adding the layer of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert on top of this, you know, clearly you're an extrovert because you process as you're talking. And that's one of the um, hallmarks of being an extrovert is that you are constantly processing on the move. The introverts are the ones that are sitting back, they're being quiet, they're taking the information in before they make a statement. I mean, that's a whole nother leadership podcast on being an introvert or an extrovert. But that's another layer on top of whether there's an ADD or an ADHD situation going on. Oh, well, very much so. I know, like, like you'd mentioned, I am considered to be extroverted and whatnot. And as I, as I'm talking, I'm thinking, and when I, when I, when I'm not talking and people notice that I'm usually, it usually means I'm really, really focused on whatever it is I'm thinking about. And I get what's called, my daughter loves to call is the Garfield eyes. My eyebrow, my eyebrows furrow over and I look really, <laughs> really, my eyes squint and I look really upset when in fact, all I'm doing is using as much of my gray matter as possible to get to the point in my mind. And when I'm, when I'm not talking, like people know, okay, he is really focused, but it looks like I'm upset. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it was an interesting little side note, note how that, that affected things and how I didn't even know people thought I was upset. They just, I just assumed everyone knew that I was just thinking it's yeah. Interesting. Right. right. And that, that's why, you know, and part of, you know, and I don't know how it was up in, in Canada, but during the pandemic, when people were isolating, unless you have somebody else there with you that picks up on these clues to like your daughter that, you know, told you, Hey daddy, you're doing this, whatever. You know, we went through long periods of time without any social interaction. So <laughs> not knowing what we were doing or not doing. Um, all right, back with the different types of ADD, I have a couple more to get through, and this will feed into what we're talking about. So we have our ADHD folks, which are hyperactive. We have our inattentive folks that are space cadets. You know, I'm using all the bad labels, right? Um, us over-focused people that are stubborn and stick to our guns and aren't going to do anything that we don't want to do. And then you have the temporal lobe ADD folks, and these are the ones that have a really quick temper. They have periods of panic and fear for no reason. So we're getting into more of an emotional reaction with these folks because it's activating their temporal lobes. Um, they're really sensitive, mildly paranoid about the world. And these are the folks that are starting to have physical symptoms like headaches and migraines and always have digestive issues. And somewhere along the line, we're gonna get some dark thoughts in there. 
you know, your nervous nollies, your worry words, um, the ones that are always looking at the negative side of things. Those are your temporal lobe folks. Then your limbic people, your limbic ADD, this is where the depression sits in. Now, um, I, Simon, I sent you those questionnaires that you can, you can send out to folks. And the difference between having like a limbic ADD and being depressed is the hallmark that when you try to focus, the worse it gets. That's one of the hallmarks for ADD, that the more you try to focus, the worse it gets. Um, with the limbic people, this is they're depressed by their situation. There is a lot of negativity. There's moodiness. There's low energy. These are the people that tend to really isolate, that hide out because they're feeling hopeless and helpless. So there's a there's a crossover between depression and this form of ADD. You know, they sleep too much or too little. Uh, these are your low self-esteem folks. So as, as a leader or a boss, when you see someone that's in, that fits these kind of symptoms and signs, this low self-esteem, that could be this limbic um, ADD type. Um, the next one is, it's called ring of fire. And basically the entire brain is overactive. These are your hyperactive people, but this is more, this looks more like bipolar. These are the people that go from being really mean and nasty to being very calm. Um, they're unpredictable. So if you have unpredictable employees, this is, could be what, what's going on. When they're in that manic state, they're you know very grandiose, long, bigger than life kind of people, but then they're gonna hit their depths. So that's the ring of fire um, form of ADD. And the last one is then the anxious people. So you have the limbic people that tend to be depressed and then you have your anxious people. And these are the ones that have the most of the physical stress and symptoms of the headaches and the migraines. These people tend to freeze in social situations. These are the people that don't even want to come to your staff meeting, okay? Um, they predict the worst. They want to avoid conflict and they have the fear of being judged. So those are the kinds of things that you would see in an employee that never wanted to speak up because they didn't want to cause any conflict. They're going to, they're going to be in the corner. They're going to be you know, just hoping to get out of the meeting without anything happening. So yeah, so there's the seven different forms of ADD that could manifest themselves in, you know, a work situation. Hi there, it's Glenn, the voiceover artist. I'm back and you guessed it, if you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have a topic that you feel would benefit from emerging leaders? Then send us a note at Simon K at trenchleadership.ca. And if your topic is used on the show, you'll be invited as a special guest host for your episode. Follow Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. And if you feel we've earned it, please help us grow our following by leaving a review and sharing the episodes on your social media platforms. And now, back to the show. Well, I really appreciate that. It, it, highlighting the seven different styles or types, I don't know what the right word to use there would be, 
Um, when I, the thought I had was, so if I'm an emerging leader and I'm getting this, this valuable information as an emerging leader, how could I use this information to help improve myself or, or my team members by now having, having some of the symptoms or the, uh, the indicators, probably a better word, uh, that, that these, these, uh, things may, may be prevalent. It, it would help with, it takes the judgment out of looking at them as an employee. What are their strengths, you know, their knowledge, their skills that you really want to bring out in that person? Because this, these um, signs and symptoms sort of operate at the same time. So you want to bring out, you hired this person because of their skills and their technical knowledge, but they tend to be a little skittish and want to hide in the corner of a room. You know, you may not want to have, you may not push them out of that comfort zone because now you know this is their type. If you try to push them, it is going to make it worse. So you kind of let them be. When you know somebody is prone to depression with this ADD, when you start to see them sinking, you know why. Okay, so once, you know, this is all actually, you know, it's going to be voluntary that people will take these assessments so that then we know, you know, if they fall into one of these categories. But with that comes, then what are we going to do about it? Right? How can we start rebalancing you out? Okay, you may have a break. And this is one of the things I recommend for any leader before you schedule a meeting. You have 15 minutes of free time where everybody goes takes a walk. Everybody exercises, does something for 15 minutes to get the blood flow going to their brains. All right, and gets their circulation going. It um, creates those endorphins. It actually creates something that's called brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's a fertilizer for your brain, the best time to do anything cognitive is after you do exercise. So, you know, if that means in your break room, you're putting a mini trampoline in, or you have some place for people to go walk, encourage everybody to go do something right before the meeting. So they're already coming in, in a high energy state with circulation going to the parts of the brain. But like for me, what I can do is once we, if, if folks fill out these questionnaires and I can say, yep, this is, most people have like one or two. There's a primary and then there's a secondary, but then it's a simple adjustment of incorporating certain foods into your diet or certain nutrients at certain times of the day that will really help them to balance people out. And then guess what? Then they're more productive. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense, actually. And one of the things that I noticed when I was, you know, throughout the whole COVID uh, pandemic that we're all still in, but, we're, you know, we're on the tail end of it, it appears to be now. One of the things I noticed as I transitioned to working from home full time was the that I, I had more of a tendency to actually get up and move around because when I was in an actual formal office setting, I'd be sitting at my desk and I would feel with finger quotations, the pressure of being at the office and producing and getting all that work done and those different types of things. 
Uh, whereas I'm at home, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of the computer. Actually, I use a standing desk now. So I'm standing in front of the computer. I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Uh, then uh, if I want to go get another coffee or actually I found I, I started drinking more water because it was a, it was closer and it was more comfortable. And I was, for whatever reason, it was easier for me to walk away to go get those things. And even the act of going up and down the stairs to get something uh, was enough to generally re refresh my mind a little bit and re re-engage, re-energize, whatever word we, we want to use. So that, that's a really great point you brought up. Thank you very much for that. Right. And um, from a cognitive standpoint, so we thought originally that the most beneficial time to do anything cognitive was right after you did exercise. Now it is the most beneficial time to do something cognitive is while you're moving. So there are some companies out there that instead of sitting around and having a staff meeting, they're out walking and talking. You know, they're doing both at the same time. That's interesting. I started my career, my military career in the infantry and whatnot. And now that I think about it, I mean, when we were the most focused was when we were out physically running an operation or some type of exercise or whatnot, you know, the prep, the, the planning and everything, of course, leading up to it, there's a lot of focus involved in that. But when you're actually in the moment, running around doing whatever it is we were doing uh that that focus was hyper there but it was easy to do it was fluid it was it just made more sense yeah. right and yeah and so in an office setting it really is counterintuitive because you know in an office setting you're sitting around and and whatnot um yes and drinking water and as a leader really think mm, about the brain health of your employees so what does that look like water at the meetings, right? Um, not donuts, because you don't want to get everybody shirt up and carb load up before a meeting. You know, really think in your work environment of the health of your employees. And especially with ADD, we want to talk protein. We really do. Those high protein, you know, you could have nuts, you know, at the tables, if you need to have something, but let's really, let's get done with the whole donut thing at in offices. In Canada, we have Tim Hortons and they are our version of Dunkin' Donuts. Eh? And so to telling people not to bring Tim Hortons coffee and donuts in, that's, that's, yeah, I don't know if I, uh, that, that's a tough one to sell, but, but you're absolutely right. I can't stress that enough, but that's a tough one to sell. <laughs> All right. But you know, it has to start with your leaders. You know, if you have a leader who's in shape, that has taken these assessments, that has gotten their DNA done, and they are, if they are operating at an optimal level, the employees will want to follow them. You know, because it's all by what you show people that you're doing. One of the, the the things that comes up all the time, and and is the fact that, and it's a it's a true fact, I believe, is that leaders are always being judged how, how you're doing your stuff. So if you're if you're stuffing two or three donuts down, well, then that that's that's the culture you're creating. And and again, it, I'm not saying don't eat a donut. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying understand that as an emerging leader, everything you're saying and doing is being judged. Whether or not the people even know they're doing it, that is indeed happening. And, and this is part of what you're saying. You lead by example. You know. Bring healthier right. snacks. Eventually, you'll probably get some pushback in the beginning, but very likely, very quickly, uh, people will take a, take a, take all of the new changes to heart. Well, yeah. If you want optimal employees, 
you want them at their optimal health, you know, and I think, you know, new generations of leaders embrace this. They want to know what their DNA is. They want to know what all their state, they want to know everything that's going on in their bodies so that they can optimize it. Dr. Daniel Amen has this saying, you don't know until you look, you know, you get a full blood draw done, you get your genetics done, you know, where your strengths are, you know, how much caffeine you should be drinking during the day. That's one thing that your genetics can tell you. If you are a slow metabolizer or quick metabolizer of caffeine. So for me, I'm a very quick metabolizer. So I can clear caffeine out of my system very quickly. So a two o'clock cup of coffee really isn't going to affect me. Somebody who's a slow metabolizer, that caffeine doesn't clear their system. And then it creates agitation. It raises their blood pressure. And it becomes more toxic. Okay. So like as a, as a leader, if you're going to have an afternoon meeting, water only. That's a, that's an interesting point. And, uh, to talk about the coffee for myself, I, I suspect based off of your example that I'm also a quick metabolizer because I can have a coffee at like 10 o'clock at night. I don't, I have that option, but, but I could, and I can go right to bed and have an, and go to sleep. It, it doesn't keep me up. Or maybe I drank way too much coffee and the, and the, that effect is, is worn off now, but either way, it's interesting how you're talking about that and the importance of things like water. And, you know, there's so much science that, that talks about that. So for an emerging leader, the big thing to get out of this is to understand that even the, the little snacks that you're bringing or recommending to people, all of these things matter and it's how it affects the performance of the team. Right. It's the health of your team. You want them to, you want them, you know, my mantra, like you said in the introduction, it's hard to have a clear thought with a toxic body. All right. So do you want a bunch of toxic employees? You really don't, you know, you want a lot of employees that can think quickly and focus, and you really want that creativity to flow and that the other energies are going to feed off of each other. And the way to do that, it's going to be clean energy. We've just really got to clear, clean up our brains so then everybody can just be, you know, at their optimal health and that you get optimal results. So, you know, as a leader, like you said, everybody watches you, but they're also watching, they're watching how you react and inter, interrelate with everyone. And if you come into you know, there's a little bit of compassion involved with this. Once, you know, if you have like a team of people and you have their assessments done, once you know, then you can have a little bit more grace with them and a little bit more compassion. And as we're working through getting their brains balanced out, you know, taking some of the hyperactivity off of those with the ADHD, helping the, the in a, and attentive folks to get more balanced so they can stay focused longer and be more interactive. You know, we can start making these adjustments again with food and, and nutrients and the timing of exercise and really keeping hydrated. All these lifestyle choices really come into the workplace too. It, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And by understanding our genetic makeup, I think, helps us really understand the, the best ways for us to be able to decide, do I have a high metabolism? 
Am I more prone to, you know, less, less concentration when I need to be, what, what can I now with that knowledge, we can use that to go forward and, and definitely help make ourselves more productive and more effective. I think, does that make sense? Yeah. And as a, as a leader, you know, here we're going back to the food again, your genetics are going to tell you how your body responds to gluten, whether or not your body can break down saturated fats. So are you going to order pizza for the team at lunchtime? You know, who's not supposed to be eating dairy? So here, here you go. You have somebody who's really like, say, I'm one of your employees and I really embraced my brain health and I'm doing really well. And I've, I've gotten this over-focused thing under control. I can handle and I can switch gears and I'm really, really productive. And then you bring in pizza for lunch. And then I'm getting pressure because I'm not eating your pizza. Well, I'm not supposed to have gluten. I don't want to have dairy. And, you know, I'm on a low carb diet. So, you, you know, if you want to bring in pizza, but you also bring in salad, you bring in a veggie tray. You know, these little things as a leader to really start looking at the brain health of your employees. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, in the Canadian military, and I'm confident the U.S. military is very similar, we are, because we have to do uh, an annual physical fitness test and because the, the requirements for operational deployments and, and those types of things, uh, we're actually given um, an hour and a half a day during our working time to go to the gym. And, and depending on what unit you're at, in the Army, the, the people tend to go and do it together first thing in the morning just because of the nature of their 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 work setup or their work setup rather. Um, but in the air force, in the operational units, because planes all are all leaving at different times, it's very difficult to, to create group physical fitness training. So more often than not, the, the training is, uh, the exercise is left up to the individual or the small sections to go and do that. And often what happens is people will fall into the routine of saying, Oh, I've got this work to do. I'm too busy to go to the gym. I've got this to do. I'm too busy to go to the gym. And as, as listeners have heard, uh, my personal journey, I fell into that routine. Uh, it's just, it's a natural thing. I was a master warrant officer and it's just, you get busy and there's always work there. And even though I knew the work would always be there, I prioritized the work over my, my personal physical fitness. Uh, and then I started my master of arts in leadership and they really focused on this, listen to your body aspect of things. So when I got back from the residency program, I, I, I took that time. I took that time to go to the gym and I was doing things and I, I lost a bunch of weight and I drank more water. Now you get the idea. I don't drink less coffee because I love coffee. Uh, but I've noticed that that actually affects how my ability to concentrate throughout the day. And I was surprised how quickly and how, how much that, that affected things throughout the day. So I know it's a bit of a long winded story. I do apologize for that, but I think it's very relevant to what you're talking about. Does, does any of that make sense? Yes. And actually, and you know, we talked about this earlier, um, prior to me getting into the health and wellness space, I was in a legal space and I was the prosecutor for the Department of Interior, which um, was in the National Park Service. So we lived at both at Grand Canyon National Park and Yosemite National Park. But the National Park Service for their law enforcement officers, their SWAT teams, right, all their emergency service people had the same physical fitness requirements. Like you had to be able to run in a certain amount of time and do so many chest presses and so many push-ups. So the guys had to meet those standards to be able to keep their jobs. So you'll get a kick out of this when I was a little off topic, but um, this 
it, it goes to that the leaders in the government valued staying in physically fit shape for your job. In Yosemite National Park, we, you know, all the law enforcement people live together. We had very nice government housing, but in Yosemite, it snows a lot. So, and we were in this little neighborhood, right? They built a shed. And in the shed was a stair stepper, a weight bench, and I think there might have been a treadmill. So you would see all the guys and gals tromping through the snow to go to the shed (laughs) to get their workouts. Oh, I love it. I love getting a workout just to go do the workout. And you always knew when their assessment time was coming up that they had to recertify because they're all going to the shed. (laughs) You know, coincidence, it's the exact same thing. I live in Ottawa, Ontario, and we get a, we get a lot of snow here and you can always tell the people that, that uh, are coming up to their annual physical test because all of a sudden there's a wave of people coming in that specific time each month. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see. I used to do that too. I, I totally fell into that routine. You know, and if I was a leader, not only would you have physical exercise to do, I would have you doing computer brain games. I would be having, I would have you doing something like Brain HQ or some brain exercise programs just to keep your brain sharp. Oh, that's a that's a great idea. It's interesting. Yeah. This, this has been fantastic. I think we have spoken a lot about, you know, how our genetic code is going to affect or not affect ourselves, but just explain ourselves. So having some understanding about that is going to make it so that we can better understand ourselves to be the best leaders that we want to be at, regardless of the level of leadership that we happen to be at. Um, and, and, and the other thing is too, one more thing about the, the genetics. Once you have a team of people that know what their DNA is, And if you've had somebody that's struggling with, and they've gone to the doctor, so they're missing days of work going to the doctor, right? They're having all these tests run and they're missing work because the tests they're having done. They're in pain, they're fatigued. So their productivity is down. Once you get your DNA done, it answers all the questions. So there's no more guesswork and going from doctor to doctor to doctor and missing all this work and losing all this productivity. So it really does benefit the company, the leadership, the team, that everybody can really know what's best for their bodies and then go after that. And the the changes that I had to make, had to make, that I chose to make once I got my DNA, I feel so much better. And I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling good until I started feeling better. And we have these martyrs, you know, these employees that are martyrs that will work 16, 18 hours a day and only sleep four and they're going to, yeah, no, that's just really damaging your body. Um, Yeah. So embracing and let everybody be the individual that they are. That's the other thing I would tell leaders is really let people embrace their own strengths. Thank you so much for that. Cause it's almost like you knew I was about to say, do you have any final thoughts before we move into the lightning round? So that was perfect. But yeah. So with that, I think it's time for us to move into the lightning round. What do you think? Oh yeah. And I purposely didn't look at them because you said the notes not to look at them. 
Fantastic. So listeners, just so we all know what we're talking about there, as always, at the end of the episode, I have five leadership related questions that I like to call the lightning round. And normally what I do is I send the outline to the the guest and I do not send them the five questions. This time I made a bit of an error and I accidentally sent and the Annie, the, uh, the lightning round questions and not the outline, but she was very good about it and very honest and told me and did not read the questions. So that's fantastic. So are you ready for this, Annie? Sure. Perfect. Let's go. So question number one, in one minute, describe your perfect leader. My perfect leader is that person that really embraces everyone for who they are, that keeps themselves healthy, that exercises, that drinks plenty of water, that gets really good restorative sleep and encourages everybody on their team to do the same and meets them where they are. So wherever they are on their journey, they meet them there and then lift them up to be the best employee they can be. Question number two, cup half full or cup half empty? Oh, full. Question number three, if your leadership style was a famous actor, who is it and why? See, I'm not much into TV. Uh, Tom Cruise. He's a fighter pilot. <laughs> he sure is. I'm, I'm very jealous of his P-51 Mustang. So <laughs> uh, he just goes for it. You know, his leadership. And, and that's it. You know, leaders, they just forge ahead. And when, when your employees see you forging ahead with conviction, and confidence, they'll go with you. Question number four, what would you like to improve about your leadership style? Not be so stubborn, be more open to, and that's part of the over-focus. And that's one of the the components about being over-focused that I'm still working on is not being so married to some of my opinions, you know, and being more open-minded. Okay. And question number five, what do you think is your leadership strength? I read a lot. (laughs) I'm one of these people that, you know, they tell you in law school, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know where to look. So when somebody asks me a question, if I don't know the answer, it's going to be, I will find out for you. Because if they're that they're they're embracing what they're doing and they're invested in what they're doing and they want to know the answers i'm going to help them find those answers perfect that's it that's the five questions that's not so bad no problem no problem (laughs) well annie this has really been fantastic before we do our final sign off if people want to know more about you if they want to find out how they can get a dna check done you know do you have any ways that people can reach out to you and connect with you Yes, the easiest way for everyone to connect with me is via email. And my, e- my company name is Your Total Body. So the email is yourtotalbody at yahoo.com. You know, just say that I was listening to you on the program. I would be interested in the ADD questionnaires that we, that we talked about. There's three questionnaires that you would fill out um, and that I would do an assessment to determine what your primary category was in the secondary category. And then I would get back to you and we would go through those together. Now the DNA kits are only available at this time during the United States, but 
I'm in the process of getting them up to Canada so that we can get them processed with, with you guys up there. That's hopefully pretty close. Um, I'm working with that with um, you know, Joffe right now of getting the cats up to Canada. But if you're in the United States, then we can get those DNA kits and get your analysis done. And we can go through the process of really just finding out what your body was designed to do. Thank you so much for that. As you had mentioned earlier, the questionnaires will be available within the show notes and stuff like that. And I'll have all the contact information to so people can reach out to you inside the show notes as well. Amy, this has been fantastic. We've we've done a lot of talking about, you know, the importance of understanding ourselves and, and the, how we can better do that and understanding that as we learn about ourselves, we can in turn know more about how we can be, become better leaders. Thank you so much for all of this. This has really been fantastic. It's been a real joy. Thank you. Thank you, Simon, for having me on. And thank you to all you leaders out there for doing the work you do. Well, that's a wrap from the front. In this episode, we learned that by understanding our genetic makeup, we can begin to understand how and why we lead. We also talked about the importance of living a balanced lifestyle, one where we can enjoy the occasional donut, but maybe not the entire box in one sitting. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, leadership without passion limits the depth of your vision. So, how was the episode? Were you engaged? Did you finish the episode with a piece of leadership ammunition to help you lead from the trenches? Was this episode relevant and helpful? If so, never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite podcast feeds. While you're there, and if you feel it's merited, please consider leaving an episode review. If the episode missed its mark, we need your help to refine the topic. So reach out and let us know how we can improve the show for you and all of our listeners. Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. A proud supporter of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and Project Enlist. Episodes produced by iGlen Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music.